Hi, I'm Yushuan Su. And I'm Connor Campbell. You're listening to Into the Unknown. Welcome back to another episode of Into the Unknown. This week, we are back. We took a little bit of a lapse or a little bit of a break. Um, Yushan's been off gallivanting on his horses um, and he's been doing very well. However, this week, it's just the two of us. I hope you enjoyed the podcast episode with Mary Beachy. Honestly, Um, if you haven't, if you haven't listened to that episode yet, I'm still kind of, I'm still kind of processing it. Like I still think about it a lot. Like that conversation that we had, I'm just like, wow, that that was incredible. It was genuinely, and I'm not saying that, obviously we're a bit biased because it's our podcast but genuinely i think it's it was such a an amazing conversation yeah i definitely agree like if you've not listened to it yet go listen to it we'll still be here afterwards yeah i what's crazy to me is obviously when we bring on guests we kind of prep them with the questions that we're going to ask them roughly um we we do go off topic a lot uh but it's it's mainly to keep us on topic because otherwise we'd be here for hours talking um and i messaged mary on the wednesday afternoon we were recording this on on the thursday and i was like have you got your notes and she goes i haven't prepared anything and i'm like okay um (laughs) so you're just gonna free will then she's like yeah i figured it would be more natural so everything that she said she thought of on the spot and she's obviously been thinking about over the last you know however many years she's been in sport and academia which is insane that you know i have to write notes down because otherwise i'm i'm going to be the stuff that i talk about is just absolute nonsense but the other thing is like we obviously we both know her and you know her i think a bit better than i do um but Mm. i like neither of us us had any idea what you know half of the stuff that no she told us and that just goes to show like how incredible of a person she is and how like how much thought she's put into Mm. into her life as well um because you know she is a very high achieving athlete and academic um you know in spite of everything that she's gone through and and just hearing her story and hearing about you know what she's gone through and what she's what she's learned from it and how that's made her who she is now is just both insightful and inspiring, you know? So yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So in today's podcast, what we wanted to kind of get into is the topic of basically a coach athlete relationship. Now I know this is, is a fairly hot topic nowadays of how to develop, manage, um, and basically get the most out of yourself as a coach and the most out of, um, of your athlete or just athletes in general. Uh, and we figured it, it would be an interesting topic to discuss because we're of Yushan and I are very much both on way on different sides. Um, Yushan being the very good athlete, myself being not just his S and C coach, but coaches to, to other people as well. Also and so a good coach. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. I tried to stay humble, <laughs> but um, we just thought it'd be really interesting to basically hear about the thought process between one, kind of what we are looking for in a good coach, 
um, how to kind of manage that relationship effectively. <clears throat> and also, you know, from my side, what I'm not so much looking for in a good athlete, but what I'm expecting, what I would like to see from athletes and, and how I can go about maybe getting the best out of that person, regardless of whether they are elite or whether they are just a, an average gym goer. Um, so first thing I would love to talk about is the first time that we ever met. Now we met take back it, in, take it back. Take it back. so we met back in, what was it? 2017? Yeah, probably. So we met back in 2017 and I actually didn't start coaching you until probably the end of 2018 i was gonna I say think. the tail end of 2018 yeah yeah um this was when i was at, at the university and yeah and Yushuan was studying at the same time and we we were we we knew each other we were acquaintances um but then over time as as i started kind of coaching Yushuan and, and learning a little bit more about his sport i i noticed that there was a, a big shift in it wasn't just sort of I was coaching you and you were listening to what I was saying. It was very much uh, uh, an informed process of, Hey, so these are my thoughts. What do you think about that? How do you think this is going to affect you? And over the years, that relationship has obviously blossomed into not just coach athlete, but we're also now very good friends. And I think what's super important about management of that coach athlete relationship is one setting boundaries and now obviously i'm not very good friends with every athlete that i coach it would be that would be an no exhausting process no offense <laughs> um but what i'm trying to say is that it, it for some athletes they might require a slightly different relationship some people like you as a coach to be just a teacher they like you to teach mm -hmm. things you know they they don't mind they don't really care about the the, the process so much they're not really kind of process orientated and when I say that I mean they're not they're not they don't really want to be involved they're like just tell me what to do I'm happy to keep doing it and so on and so forth maybe give them some positive encouragement give them some confidence you know give them a pat on the back when maybe they don't feel so so great whereas I know that others maybe require um slightly a slightly deeper meaningful relationship where it's more of like a, a give and take so like a mentor kind of thing where perfect example I just said here's what I've got what are your thoughts on this do you think this is going to make a difference because ultimately I don't ride horses Yushan does I could do all the needs analysis in the world but if I don't know if it's working then it's pretty much null and void um, for me this always sticks out in my mind and I know that you're going to have something to say about this, but the biggest turning point for me was when you broke your leg in Portugal mm. and going from just being fairly good friends to then being like, okay, so I'm no longer just his coach because I can't actually coach him to actually being a good friend and someone that's there for that person when they are quite obviously in a pretty bad place um yeah so that's kind of the introduction really um yeah i mean uh yeah i, I think 
so when when you say you know we have this kind of this relationship <laughs> where um when it's within a, a coaching and, and training environment it's very much back and forth and like you mm. you set things for me to do and you come up with the ideas and i give you feedback and you know we come up with ideas together and i think a big part of that is the fact that you know you you've come into this obviously as a very good um and very experienced snc coach but not within within my sport like i think was i the first first rider that you've you've done snc for very first yeah so i think obviously that played a massive role in the fact that you know you 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 didn't have that kind of first-hand experience or mm. account on what works and what doesn't work um on a on a sort of individual level and for, from a rider's perspective so i think that that formed that kind of rapport that we had and i think that is actually a really important element of you know what i look for in a good coach like i want i want to to be training with someone who is also open and open to learn and and change and you know better themselves and better their knowledge rather than someone who is perhaps a little bit i guess set in their ways and obviously there are you can have preferences like you can you know what you like and what you don't like but at the end of the day if something works then i think it's really important for both the coach and the the athlete um to acknowledge that something does work um from from my my perspective for example um you know when i first started training with you you started incorporating a lot of exercises that i've i've never done before um and i wasn't sure like i wasn't sure if it was going to work or if it was going to make a difference because coming from coming from my sort of my background in in uh, strength training and that sort of thing i you know i look at you know doing doing clams or like um isometric clams and stuff to to work my glute med and stuff like that i'm like well what the fuck is that gonna do like um but i think as the client or as 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 the athlete there is an element of you just have to trust your coach and trust their process and go with it even if you don't know that it's going to work or if even if you initially don't agree with it just go with it and see if it works and so that's kind of what i did and that, that's what i do with with my coaches within the sport as well you know um i'm a strong believer of during a training session you know during a lesson when they tell you to do something you just do it if yeah. you don't agree with it if you think it's shit in the moment just do it because there's no point like arguing or, or asking about it obviously if you don't understand then you ask about it but you do it and then see if it works and yeah. at the end of the session or like when you're taking a break that's when you ask the questions or that's when you have a discussion you're like oh i did this and i i feel this i i think this worked i think this didn't work why are we doing it like this obviously that's a very healthy thing to do but i think there is an element of of respect and trust both ways yeah, i guess i think absolutely um the athlete you know the the rider you know i have to in the moment just respect what my coach is telling me to do and and just you know trust that that is in my in my interest and 
if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't but i have to try it with the mindset of actually going into it trying to make it work rather than that's the other thing rather than doing it thinking oh this isn't gonna fucking work like obviously i'm not gonna do a good job then um and then on the flip side i think the coach has to be mindful and respectful of does it actually work you know or is it just how they've always done things and how they want to do it does it actually work for that individual does it work for that individual in that moment in time do they like it uh, and respect and be open to to feedback and to to you know what their what their athlete what their client is saying so i think there is a big element of that both ways and you have to have a good amount of that um from either from both ends to have a good coach athlete relationship because i for sure have had um coaches in the past which it didn't work and and yeah. i'm not sure about you as well because you you've you know you've obviously trained a lot of people and you've had coaches yourself as well and mm-hmm. i think we've both had quite a big range of um i guess different relationships with different coaches and athletes so yeah i mean i wanted to touch on this um well whenever we got to it but we have obviously spoken about our previous experiences playing rugby um you know not that i was a massively high level but high enough to to warrant you know trying to understand the process of why we're doing certain drills why we do it this way and so on and so forth and what so i was doing some research i'd say a couple of years back I say a couple of years, 2015 is not a couple of years back. That was when I graduated uni. Jesus Christ, I'm old. Um, and what I know, and this is also, so I did sports science at uni. Um, and I had a couple of friends who did a sports coaching course, which is slightly different. Obviously, the idea is that you are trying to either develop a coach um, or you as a coach, maybe to a football team, are trying to develop the ways that you coach. And I stumbled across, this was back in 2015. I don't know if it's changed now, but there was like a coach framework and it was the four C's. Let me see if I can remember them. I think there's confidence, character, competence. And I'm pretty sure that there's another one which is related to like basically your relationship to the athlete connectedness. That's what it is. Um, So the four C's and the thing is, I really like these kind of models, but at the same time to be able to, to be able to kind of have this relationship within a framework, it works. But uh, you mentioned two very, very important, actually three very important things just then. And I think this is what stems from us playing rugby is that trust in the coach is very very important and i'm not saying like unwavering trust where you're like i go to battle for this coach like you know because it's not a top-down thing and i think this is where the second thing comes into play which is respect mutual not respect for just the athlete or just the coach it's mutual respect for the both of you so that you have trust you also have respect so you set those boundaries And if that athlete or that coach oversteps those boundaries, you're well within your right, maybe not in the session, but afterwards to challenge their thought process, not in a bad way, but just in a way where you say, listen, I've noticed that you were coaching it this way. And obviously I'm not a coach, but 
last time you said this and it worked so much better for me. So I just want to know why we're doing it this way. That's a perfectly acceptable thing to say mm. to a coach that has a good relationship with you. If you've got mutual trust and respect, if you don't have mutual trust and respect, which a lot of rugby coaches generally don't, it doesn't work out. Fireworks. <laughs> but the last thing, which I literally just mentioned is communication. Like if you don't talk about these certain things, like you, you Sean alluded to, I am not an expert in equestrian. I never will be an expert in equestrian, maybe the S&C side, but there's still so many things that I have to learn. And I'm never going to be able to know as much about the sport and as much about you as you already know yourself. So rather than me spending a shed load of time trying to find out this, that and that, I could just ask you. And then that means that we we have I've I'm gaining competence we're both gaining confidence in each other I'm showing my character where I'm not driven by my ego to think I'm fucking amazing I know everything don't worry don't tell me I already know it and we're now being connected because I'm actually being open to you and asking you questions so it's quite funny how it kind of goes full circle um like back to the four c's but Basically, the big thing that I wanted to talk about was essentially like different styles of coaching. Mm. I know you might maybe mirror what I want to say or perhaps have a slightly different experience. But when I first started coaching, I don't know if you noticed this. This was very much so I came from a CrossFit background and it was very much a this is how you do it and that's it. Um, so it's like, I guess it's like an autocratic way to coach. It's like my way or the highway kind of thing. Yeah. Maybe not so much. Everyone, my... everyone fits into that mold. Exactly. They leave. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Everyone fits into that mold. And uh, to be honest with you, I think that works well in team sports. I'm not saying just autocratic coaching. I think there's some needs to be some democracy and maybe a, a holistic view, but for individuals saying to someone it's my way or the highway is exactly like I said at the start it's that kind of teacher student mentality of I'm here and you're down here so you'll stay there and I'm just going to tell you what to do and if you challenge me then <laughs> well don't challenge me because either one I don't fucking know which is why I don't want you to challenge me <laughs> which is most of the time uh and two, I don't know whether people just don't like being seen to be challenged. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, it's like an ego thing, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. But I I noticed that when I was playing, I mean, I've had some fairly, um, fairly, I've had a lot of different coaches over the years. Some who have been very influential in the way that I coach. One that sticks to mind is my last rugby player who was an old um, ex Leeds Carnegie hooker, the toughest guy I think I've ever met in my entire life. Probably didn't give two shits about you when you were playing the game, but after the game had finished, was so he was so conscious of like how we felt, even if we lost the game, even if we won the game, he'd be like, Right, this is what we need to work on next time. Like, well done for playing well, you did a really good job. Like, 
And it was such a strange experience because when you're on the field and he's shouting at you, like I remember one time I, I, I used to be quite well known for just loving hitting people, not, not punching. I'm not that aggressive, <laughs> but you know, tackling people. And I remember one time this very, very large man fell on my wrist and I tackled him and I broke my wrist in the game. And I walked over to my coach and my wrist is like hanging down <laughs> by my, I don't know if I've told you this the story. Wrong way. No, you haven't. No. And I walked over to him and I was like, coach, I think, um, I think my wrist is broken. And he just looks at it, lifts it up and goes, nah, it looks all right. Get back out there. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay. Cause I respected, I respected him, you know, and, and I trusted him and probably wasn't the right decision to make. <laughs> and you know, he agreed. He agreed. That was a very stupid decision to make. However, I've I've had coaches in the past where they've they've said things like that, and and they've explicitly denied. Like, no, I didn't say that. Mm. Like, that's your own fault. You shouldn't have broken your wrist. And I'm just like, you're fucking joking me. I'm fucking 16 <laughs> years old. Like, <laughs> that's wrong that's with such you. A, that's really interesting as well. And just the last bit where you said you were 16 years old, and as as kids, as teenagers with, you know, we're not, we're still kind of forming our own, our own personalities, our own identities. And we don't know, like, we don't know what to do, what the right thing to do is. And we rely so heavily on what our coach as an authority figure says to us or or tells us to do or convinces us to do. And I think uh, without getting a bit too deep, but like, I think there is, a lot of coaches who whether they know it or not kind of misuse that I guess power in a Uh, sense mm. um because when I was sort of 15 16 um we had I I was on the um I was one of the the junior riders in Hong Kong and we had a sort of like a junior junior training program a junior team um and the coach at the time was obviously not going to name names but he was an absolute dick um like a terrible person and i one of the things he did that really stood out to me now is that he would sort of he would very clearly pick his favorites out of all of us Mm. and then put us up against each other um so uh, as a group of you know 15 16 year olds we i guess we're all the same we all wanted we all wanted to be to be the coach's favorite or we all wanted to to be seen in that sense you know we wanted that sort of validation that affirmation from from our coach from who we thought at the time was a very important authority figure who um you know we wanted the the attention from um so when when we we, you know whatever he said we would do on the horse and off the horse you know and off the horse stuff became stuff like he would pick uh, this was how sort of toxic it was he would pick a you know one of the riders that maybe he didn't like so much and first of all to dislike personally a 15 year old 16 year old as like a 40 50 year old man is pretty twisted anyway but whether that's personal or he didn't like the parents whatever it was um 
he'd pick that person and then basically make it quite obvious and and vocal that he didn't like them and set everyone else against them you know it, if you were if you were friends with that person or you're seen defending that person then he didn't like you either and if you uh, if you offended you know um his favorite or one of his favorite writers then then he'd make that very clear and he'd say you know you you shouldn't be doing this you're in the wrong blah blah and this is to this is to a group of a group of kids you know our our minds aren't fully formed fully fully shaped and uh, i can just say from a personal perspective like i was very much affected by it um in the sense that like i wanted so bad to be to be seen by him um and when i wasn't i was you know i didn't know what to do and yeah. when people started when when i when i heard that he was saying things about me and then people started doing the same and he would spread rumors and stuff like that like i was so weird. i i was just i didn't know how to how to process it um but well you don't when you're that young because no. you've never encountered it and who who are you supposed to tell <laughs> exactly yeah and and the same with the same with actually with with um a lot of i guess schoolboy rugby coaches you know again you're at that age where you want to you want to be you want to be seen you wanted the the validation from the authority figure and you wanted to to be part of the team you know and to have uh, in in my rugby team the coaches that we had was again like you say very much sort of just one way of doing things and very set in those ways and looking back now like a lot of stuff we were doing the stuff like from the 70s you know like it didn't really work um but this coach was so sort of set in this is how we're going to do it these are the drills that we're going to do um and you know we're going to do uh 100 effort full contact tackle practice two days before the game and then you show up at the game like all battered um but but then you have to be tough you know you have to you not show any weakness and that's exactly that that was his approach and yeah. if we didn't do it then we weren't part of the team and obviously we all wanted to be part of the team we wanted to be that starting 15 yeah you know? but actually looking now looking back at that that wasn't it didn't create the best players that we could have been no. the best team and the best team culture that we could have had and you know i i read and listen now to a lot of top coaches of different sports and but in rugby even you know when you look at eddie jones and you look at warren gatlin and, and people like that who've who have coached and are coaching top teams they are individualistic they take an individualistic approach and take the perspectives of the players and sort of tailor it around them in a sense not just having this one way of doing things um but actually something i wanted to touch on which you mentioned earlier was sort of your relationship with with your athletes with your clients and i think for me i've always with my coaches um i've just always wanted slash needed a more kind of um personal relationship um and it, it never really worked when i just had someone come in and out and just tell me you know what to do like work on my skills um at without have without knowing that person without having a sort of 
more uh, intimate is obviously the wrong word, but like a more sort of personalized uh, a relationship with that coach. And I think there are a lot of pros and cons to that. I think in the past when I've been, you know, really close to a coach, uh, I sort of lose perspective a little bit on the fact that this this guy is just teaching me how to write. Like I, I don't need to take everything he says so personally. Yeah. Um, you know, like if he if he doesn't like me or he doesn't he says something about my character, like that shouldn't impact me so much because at the end of the day, he's here to teach me how to ride. He's here to train me as a rider. Like he I don't need him to be my best friend. Anything else, um, yeah. But you know, you kind of fall into that fall into that um you know this this environment where i guess again it's sort of looking up to to power or to an authority figure and and thinking that everything they say is the be all end all um on and off the pitch on and off the horse you know um so i don't know if you've had sort of different experiences with that or um yeah yeah i very much the same with rugby i mean obviously i mentioned a coach right near the end of my rugby i want to say career but stint um i wasn't that good uh but yeah i i'm the thing the thing that always got me was that i knew that he was he was a hard like he was a hard coach on us like he wanted to get the best out of us and this is the difficult thing that you fall into as an athlete is and i see this a lot as a coach i recognize that i have a lot of power like too much power sometimes it scares me because like sometimes <clears throat> i mean perfect example i was coaching so i run a weightlifting club on the weekends as you know i know some listeners might not however there was an athlete one of the one of the guys brand new really strong dude um and he was like i'm gonna do back squats and i'm like no let's not do back squats i want you to do some front squats and he just goes okay coach and i'm just like fucking hell could you imagine the power uh, uh, the thing is, i know that's not like life-changing but like <laughs> to be able to have that much influence over yeah. someone emotionally physically is like it's it's quite scary to have because you know that that athlete whatever you say is probably gonna do what you say so i i remember hearing this quote a few years back when uh <clears throat> when i really started getting into i mean i've been coaching now for about five or six years but really the last three years has been the, the biggest time i've spent coaching you know elite athletes weightlifters whatever and this quote has has always stuck with me that i wrote it down and it was it's not just the skills you teach it's the words you use hmm. and like as much as people come in and they try and learn how to do weightlifting or you're trying to teach them how to do S&C to ride horses or to make them better, they very much appreciate that. But for me, the biggest thing is, is trying to encourage that person to get the most out of them, to show them that support, not just when they're learning or when they're doing well, but the most important thing is when it's not going so well. Yeah, 100%. like because because if that athlete, I always come back to this and say it doesn't. 
athletes don't care how much you know until they know how much you actually care about them about mm. um uh, they don't they don't listen they're not going to listen they might be hearing you but they're not actually listening they're just like yes coach whatever you say coach cool, thanks <laughs> you know whereas if you can actually have that relationship where you say listen let's do this and they have respect for you and you're not saying it in a way that is emotionally abusive or physically abusive um and i'm very lucky i've i personally can't think of well i mean maybe i have had uh some coaches shout and whatever but i don't think it's really affected me all that much but you know, I, I I like to distance myself. One of the first weightlifting coaches that I had, very much very shouty, um, very much like autocratic. It's my way or the highway, mm. and I recognised that I didn't really like that style of coaching. So I just went, okay, I'm not coming back, and I found a new coach. That's the benefit, and I know it's difficult in maybe your situation or in a situation where you are in in a very good team and you basically sell your soul to be there but i don't understand why people put up with this shit all the time like the amount of stuff that's that came out in gb gymnastics about emotional and physical abuse and i know that gymnastics has a long history of that and i'm not going to get into that and actually it would be an interesting uh, conversation to have and I'm, I'm sure that i've got a few guests that would be able to share their experiences but it's just like, it's always baffled me how, how coaches can, can see this as like normal, like abusive and emotionally and physically. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. I um, think, I think a lot of coaches don't see it. They don't realize that they're doing it. And, you know, I, so I've had quite a few coaches over the years and one of them, I was I was in I was living in Australia for a year, mm -hmm. um, training and working for 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 a coach, you know, and and it's I lived in his house. I yeah, you know, we had dinner together every night with his family. Like I was very much part of the family while I was there, and it was a really interesting relationship. I think he and the family in general did a very good job of not really blurring that line between you know uh, i'm your coach but i'm also i'm also more than that like I, i'm a mentor outside of of riding uh, of your of mm. your yeah of your training and that is difficult because you know we'd have really tough days you know there were days where i'd really not be riding well he'd be like in the arena shouting at me um and i feel like shit and then we you know at the end of the day we we sit down and have dinner together and we don't talk about horses you know we talk about things that are completely different like just just normal conversation yeah um and I, so i was 18 at the time uh, and um i think I, I i'm really grateful of that experience because he you know it, it showed that you kind of need need a life and need relationships outside of that environment as well um and it, i found it hard at times to sort of not not carry what happened during the day to 
to the evening or to the next day, you know, and, and to, I found it hard to separate or draw the line between, between, I guess, my coach and my friend. Um, mm. It's obviously a bit different between you and me, because I, I think, um, I, don't, I don't know. I think we were friends before you started coaching me, even though yeah. that, that grew as well. But yeah, I think um, especially in an environment where you are very close and you mm-hmm. spend so much time together, there is uh, it's quite easy to sort of blur those lines mm-hmm. and use one for another you know like absolutely yeah i can i can still see i, I still see him or saw him as an authority figure and someone who i had to listen to everything they said outside of riding outside of training um because that is just who he is to me who he is um, yeah and when you bring that to then the fact that I am spending a lot of time with him outside of training and riding, I was living in his house like that. Yeah. That's a recipe for disaster at many times. Luckily, not, nothing really bad happened. Yeah, it worked but, well, um, yeah. You know, uh, another coach that I had before, um, we're also, you know, when I broke my leg, actually, I stayed, I stayed in her house for, for a month. Um, before during and a couple of weeks after my surgery they just Mm -hmm. looked after me you know they i stayed in the spare room and and they you know i had dinner with them like they looked after me all day and and you know that's a kind of relationship that we had um but at the same time like i i would do anything for them and i was doing a lot of things for them outside of of riding and outside of training that probably i wasn't even i wasn't even realizing like because i was living on site at the time as well and if they'd message me and be like and they they have done this message me and be like come take out my trash like i'd go take out the trash i'd go feed their chicken like it's um you know it creates this i think when you take that power dynamic and that relationship that you have with your coach outside of of training and outside of of that coach athlete relationship then yep. that's when things can start getting a little bit, a little bit difficult. Um, but that's tricky as well, because, you know, like I said earlier, like I, I like it kind of when there is more of a, when the dynamic is more than just sort of professional, you know, like yeah. I want to know them personally. I want to be part of, part of the team and part, you know, I want to feel like, feel like we're there for each other um so it's it's just finding that balance you know yeah absolutely and also and also having stuff outside of it you know having people your support system ultimately your friends and family outside of Mm -hmm. those coach athlete relationships yeah i i don't know i don't know about you but I, i find that obviously we have experience working in teams and i'm talking about I'm not talking about being part of Hong Kong. I'm talking about, you know, actually being part of a rugby team or a football team. And uh, I find that more often than not, coaches that work with individual athletes, regardless of whether it is, you know, for example, we have a weightlifting team, but we don't compete with each other. We compete for the weightlifting club. And so everyone that comes in is very much coached as an individual might need to, uh, you know, adjust it to 
their individual needs or maybe some people um, you need maybe a slightly softer, more delicate touch, whereas others, they like to be told, and they've explicitly said this, that they like me to be a bit more direct, a bit more forceful, which for me can sometimes be quite hard unless I haven't had enough sleep. Um, in which case, most Grumpy of the time, con. most of the time I apologize and say, guys, I'm not feeling the best today. Um, so apologies if uh, I come across as a little bit brash, um, you know, whatever. And to be honest, I don't really say much anyway. Sometimes I just say like, uh, perfect example, the other weekend, one of the guys wasn't using his legs properly in weightlifting. So rather than me just going, I need you to, to focus on keeping the bar tight past your knees so you can finish harder with your legs. I know that most people are going to be like, the fuck does that mean? But you'll understand if you're a weightlifter. Weightlifting reference. And I, I was pretty tired. It was a long week. And I just turn around and go, use your fucking legs like <laughs> and he just goes okay and, okay. and then af afterwards i was like i'm sorry that i said it like that i just i don't know why i said it like that but you know but to be honest with you i i agree with what you were saying where and i mentioned this a little earlier that i think setting boundaries especially if you have that good relationship with your coach where it's not just coaching but it's also outside of the realm of horse riding and you can talk about other things i like that i like that you're showing openness as an athlete and as a coach like everyone we're all human and i and i think this is one of the reasons why i enjoy doing this podcast is that like i listen to podcasts and a lot of times people give their opinion on things opinions are great but if you like i want to hear about your experience not just mm. your opinion because ultimately we are all human even if you've never experienced that before <clears throat> i want to know that the person that i'm dealing with is not just a robot you know is not just someone that just tells me what to do and and that's it and that's my that's the way that i like to coach as well as i like to develop a good relationship with with an athlete or with a client so that if they feel like they can come to me Oh, sorry. If they need to come to me, they feel like they can. Yeah. It's not yeah. like a, a hierarchy kind of thing where it's like, you don't talk to me outside of training. Like you're not paying for that. Like you don't pay for my time outside of that, but ultimately like they do really, <laughs> you know, yeah. because if you're sacrificing your time and energy to train them whilst they're paying for you, you're effectively asking that athlete, listen, if you need my help outside of here or, you know, not like I'm going to fucking pack up your house and drive up to Scotland or whatever, depending on, you know, who it is. But sometimes athletes will come to you with maybe they're dealing with some mental health problems. Maybe, I don't know, they didn't sleep very well. And they're like, listen, I'm not going to be able to train today because I feel I feel knackered. Mm. Some people would just push, 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 push because they're scared of what the coach will tell them. And I don't think I've ever, I don't know if I've ever operated. Like, I don't really like, I don't really like that kind of my way or the highway thing. I'm, I've always been a fan of more of a democratic, um, like a democratic coach role. And, and even as an athlete, I like to ask the coach, why are we doing it this way? Yeah. I want to yeah. challenge you. Um, 
Well, it's interesting because so as so my current coach now um, with the riding, he he is very much um, sort of individualistic, and his you can see clearly that the approach that he takes with each rider, even at home, like just the riders at home, uh, the the difference between him teaching me and teaching Tom, like it um, is very much based on on the individual, but also what the individual needs at the time. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I just thought of this because you said about sort of coaching individual sports versus team sports, but you know, there's I've had coaches before where you know um, it was sort of one set way of of doing it, and and it would be like one exercise for the day, and all of the riders coming down would do the exact same thing every day, day in day out as each other and be taught the exact same way as well and all, all, almost like a, a conveyor belt you know like a like a factory and yeah um for some people it worked for some people it didn't and for me and even then for me it worked on some days and not others on some days you know the stuff we were doing and the way that i was being taught and the way i was being spoken to it clicked and it, i learned and i you know i was I was developing and then in yeah. other ways fuck this like this is like this is not for me and yeah. when I have that and I guess the coach is not adapting to it and, and not sort of treating me as an individual then you know I kind of shut down a little bit and I that's when that's kind of when when learning stops and yeah ultimately that's you know a, a coach and athlete relationship is about is about learning is about developing about training and so that kind of for me has to be has to be the forefront of of you know everything you do within that relationship you know um you have to put your performance first and your your development and your learning and and whatever you do has to be contributing to that. And when that stops, then, you know, you've got, you've got a bit of a problem. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because then you're, because no one's benefit benefiting from that. The coach isn't benefiting from that. The athlete isn't benefiting from that. And it's kind of a two-sided coin because obviously there's going to come a point where you aren't, it's, it, it's impossible to develop linearly mm. all the time. Yeah. Like the trajectory over a period of years should be somewhat um, linear in fashion. It, it improves. However, sometimes it just doesn't, doesn't work like that. Sometimes you might have to take a few steps back to then build up and so on and so forth. And if you don't have that trust and respect in an athlete and, and as an athlete with a coach, you're going to get to the point where you're like, well, this isn't working. Mm. I've had plenty of weightlifters who have had mental blocks or physical blocks with a certain number or a snatch. And technically they're good. Mentally is another story. Mm. And it's trying to get them to trust in themselves and realize that it's not, it's not, not everything is going to be perfect all the time. Um, you know, it's not so much a case of like, oh, you miss a lift. I'm really annoyed with you. Like, it's not annoyance at all. It's I'm more annoyed that 
you didn't feel the joy of of hitting that lift because I know what that meant to you. But a perfect example is I coach my other half, and it is it it is this is a perfect example of being able to set boundaries. Like for the first year or so when I was coaching her, I didn't know how to set boundaries. I had no idea um, how to separate, you know, girlfriend, now fiance to athlete and coach. Yeah, 100%. It was very, very difficult for me. Um, and, it, it, you know, even times when I would be tired or, or whatever, and I would just speak to her like I was her fiance, not as her coach. Because um, sometimes you forget. And, and now I think we've figured out a very good framework of we have a few key phrases. And if I don't, you know, if there's times where she's not feeling great and, and I know that the, the communication is not going to be as effective as we want it to be, we're clear with that. You know, we're clear with, um, you know, she'll say coach and I'm like, okay, it's professional time now, mm. you know? So it's, it's figuring out how to dissect that continuum because you would ideally love to have just you, Sean, do this. Oh my God, my seat position feels so much better. But sometimes it doesn't work out like that. Sometimes it might take years and then that coach might have said something and then a year down the line, you're like, oh fuck, that's what they meant. Yeah. Now I get 100%. it. Yeah. But it's similar to how, I know this is going to be a super strange caveat, but I remember when James Cameron, the director, was making Avatar. And the reason it took so long to develop is because the TV screens hadn't developed the correct, um, I don't know whether it was frame rate or whatever it was, to play the movie. Mm. And I'm like, how on earth could someone be so far ahead of, of the industry that showing this movie was so good that they had to wait years to then yeah, play it. Yeah. But it's the same with coaching that like you might have a coach who is vastly experienced and you're trying to play catch up with their experience. But then ultimately there is hopefully going to be a time where that athlete will exceed your experience and your knowledge. Mm. That's okay. But it's also important to know that now it's a case of, they're not just learning from you. You as a coach are learning from them and you might need to seek additional help to find out how you can make that athlete better or send them to someone else who knows. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, you raised a lot of a lot of good points there that I wanted to pick up on. And, and, and one of them, you know, you are the, that's the perfect example of, of a being able to sort of separate the coach athlete relationship with whatever other relationship you have with that person. In your case, a very close relationship of, of your fiance. Um, but like when I'm, so like when I'm with, with you in the gym and you're doing a session with me, like I, I'm very sort of conscious that you are now like my coach, like obviously still my friend, but first and foremost, like you are training me in the gym. Yeah. And so, and you've probably noticed, like, you can, you, you can say whatever you want from me. I'll just do it. Um, and, you know, you, and, you know, I think that's, 
also it plays to the fact that we have that kind of trust and respect that when you say drive with your fucking legs or whatever like mm. i'll just i'll do it you know because like i don't get offended by that i'm not being like oh why is why is he such a dick like it, i just because because in the moment like i i can respect that and i can trust like that, that process um yeah. and but you had you know, to have got to that point right yeah yeah for yeah. sure like if if i didn't like both ways you know if i didn't if i didn't trust that you knew what you were talking about or i, I didn't respect what you were talking about or vice versa then whatever we said to each other would have been probably taken the wrong way mm. um but the other thing is like i think that what's really important for me is that i need to know that my my coach has sort of my interests at, at heart you know um and this goes to it, it becomes quite clear when when you know i don't have a good result I, I don't have a very good performance um are they are they disappointed like i never want to feel like i've disappointed them you know because at the end of the day like they're coaching me like they're here for me whether that sounds sort of selfish self-centered it is a little bit self-centered but i'm the one competing and like my success is my success and my failures are my failures and they share in that it's not like they i i really don't want to be working with someone who uses my sort of my success and my failures as as their as in as i don't want them obviously i want them to share in it and they are a massive part of it because you know i wouldn't have achieved those things without them but at the same time like I don't want them to just take that and make it their own. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think there is a difference between um, a coach that sort of shares that success and, and, and is there for, for the athlete versus mm -hmm. a coach who just uses that for their own, own gain or their own limelight or like makes it mm -hmm. about them. And Absolutely. I think, do, do you know what I'm trying to say? Absolutely know what I'm trying to say. And I had this exact conversation with one of my athletes on Sunday, actually, um, where she, so she asked me, do you get, do you, are you disappointed when we miss a lift? And I'm like, yeah, I am disappointed. I'm not disappointed in you though. I'm disappointed that I wasn't able to make you get to that point where you made that lift, mm. which in some respects is, is an entirely different, it's an entirely different kind of disappointment because I, I would never be disappointed in you as an athlete, as long as I knew that you did the best that you could, mm. I would never be disappointed in you. Even in some people who don't do the best that they can. And I know that they've got more in them. I would just say to them, don't worry about it this time. I know you've got more in you. Let's just go again. Like whatever it's your but this is the difficult thing is it's great to be supportive but at the same time sometimes you need to be a little bit of a hard ass mm. like i had uh, an athlete who's still very young he probably doesn't listen to this podcast very good football player and he's he doesn't listen to me very well 
<laughs> and this is this is the difficult thing with with online coaching is that right. it is very much a different realm because I for, for the vast majority of people that I coach online I I've never met them in my entire mm. life I've never met them which is such a strange concept that and and trying to develop a relationship virtually is is can be an absolute minefield you know, but it's, it's trying to get, I, I guess, get that personality across to that athlete so that they can listen to you. They can trust you. The perfect example is, so this guy, um, it was the end, almost the end of the season. And I said to him, listen, let's just do X, Y, and Z without going into too much detail. And he didn't listen. He went up and he then sent me a message saying, I feel super tired. Um, you know, and, I didn't feel like my training went very well, like blah, whatever. And I could have been like, listen, dude, it's okay. Like, don't worry about it. It's not the end of the world. But I was kind of like, you know what? I'm actually kind of pissed off that he didn't listen to me. And I didn't tell him, I didn't tell yeah. him that I was pissed off. Um, you know, but I made it, I made it clear that sometimes what he thinks is best is not what is best. Yeah. And yeah. there comes a point where, yes, I'm there to support you and to be your biggest fan, but you've, you have to, you've got to listen to me. Sometimes mm. if you're paying me and I'm trying to make you better and you're not listening to me, that is completely, it's completely like it, it makes no sense. And that's on you as well. As in, that's, that's on both on, of us. And and I, that that's kind of, yeah. That's actually the last last thing I wanted to say is that um, we we talk about you know a healthy coach athlete relationship having that sort of trust and respect, but also both having and and um, meeting their responsibilities. Yeah. And I think so. As an athlete, my responsibility is to do my best in in what I'm doing in the training, in the riding, but also to, to do what the, what my coach is telling me to do. Yeah. You know, if, if I think I know better and I, I don't do what they're telling me to do, I go do the opposite thing. I can't then come to them and be like, ah, oh, it's not going well. <laughs> like, why the fuck do you think it's not going well? Like, obviously. Not... Yeah. And if I, if I've tried it and it didn't work, if I tried it over a period of time and it didn't work, it's just not for me absolutely a yeah. fair play you know we have that conversation but i have to go and try it with an open mind and with the sort of intention of doing it so that it works yeah um, and trusting again trusting my coach and if i don't and that's my responsibility like that's on me so if i don't do those things and it goes tits up then that's on me as well like that's not that's not the fault of my coach. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's, and, and actually, and this is not just, um, this goes for like all relationships, I think. And, and um, actually the most recent one, I think is with my, with my psychologist, actually, um, when I, you know, we had a session, I'm saying, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not feeling so good. And I, I, I kind of laid all these things out um, from stuff that we spoke about at the in the previous session and he was like well did you did you go away and do sort of do the things that that we've spoken about that you should be working on i'm like uh mm. not really 
And he was like, well, what the fuck do you want me to do? <laughs> like, yeah. I can give you tools and strategies. If you decide not to listen to me and decide not to implement them, then that's, that's on you. Like, that's your responsibility. So that's, kind of, that's kind of what I want to, to go away with um, is over the years, you know, we've both had good and bad relationships with coaches and uh, well, for me with coaches and, you know, it, it's, I think, for me what i've taken away and I, what i try to to keep in mind in all these relationships now is is that there needs to be that trust and respect and you both tow your end you know you you absolutely. take responsibility for what you have to do absolutely i love that yes well guys hopefully you found this very useful um i mean i guess it was just our experience on you know, the way that we like to coach, how we've developed our relationship, you and I. Um, and one last thing that I want to leave with, have you ever seen the movie Remember the Titans, American football movie? No, I haven't. I don't know. Okay. So when I was playing football, this is egg-shaped football, not um, soccer, as in American football. American that, football. Um, we were told as an assignment, um to basically go and watch remember the titans and i don't know what it is about american football but the the coaching um what's the word i'm looking for the way that people coach is very much my way or the highway <laughs> and they like to be seen to be not i wouldn't say abusive but like do this or this will happen. So mm -hmm. I'm talking about kind of like punishment, punishment versus, you know, like the stick in the stick in the carrot stick kind of thing carrot, with donkey. Yeah. Um, so it was like reward and punishment, whatever. And there's a bit in the movie where the coach is, is basically talking to the athletes and it's like, we're going to be perfect in every single aspect of the game. I wrote this down. I didn't fucking remember it off the top of my head. I haven't watched it that much. <laughs> if you drop a pass, you run a mile. You fumble a football, I'll break my foot in your ass and then you'll run a mile. <laughs> and like when I was playing football, I was like, dude, that's fucking inspirational. <laughs> but now when I'm watching that, I'm like this warped perception that is of, toxic, bro. <laughs> of abusive behavior. You know, yes, it might get a lot out of them, but surely you would be able to add constraints and build necessary mental toughness, if that's even a thing, outside of just abusing the athlete and say if you fumble a football i'm going to break my foot in your ass and then you're going to run a mile how if they fumble a football do you think that by kicking them in the ass and making them run a mile is going to make gonna them fumble, fumble a football anymore. what's going to make them not fumble a football practicing catching the fucking ball under different constraints christ anyway yeah and I obviously came back to watch this movie. It's one of my favorite movies. Same as like Coach Carter. Coach, I was just, I was just movie. about to say Coach Carter. Unbelievable. Um, it's just, and actually, Coach Carter still holds true. I think the way that he coaches is very much emotional, physical abuse. Mm. But you, it's interesting that you notice the development of the coach character through the movie. That he starts off being this kind of hard yeah. ass who doesn't care about anyone. And then near the end of the movie, you actually realize that the one most important thing was that he cared so much about the athletes yeah. that he would do absolutely everything possible. 
and I love that, but also that's where the roads um, are very rocky because mm. I don't know why I'm holding my finger up like this. That's where the roads are very rocky. And that's because... when the lines start to blur as well, between exactly. personal and professional. And yeah, I said I was going to say that last thing, but actually this one last thing is that um, I think it's super important that, that as, as the athlete, you have to remember that your coach is also human. Mm. You know, they Definitely. also have their thoughts and feelings and, you know, they have their good days and bad days. They have their, their problems, their issues with communication, like as much as you do. Like just because they're your coach doesn't mean that they're a robot. You know, you talked about the athlete being a robot, also the coach, like they're also human and you yeah. have to understand, accept that, that they make mistakes. They say things that they didn't mean or, or they should have said something uh, a different way. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're all human making mistakes, doing the wrong things, doing the right things. And it, as long as you kind of accept that and, and work with that, then that's how we, that's, I think that's how we move forward. Absolutely. Cool, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. Um, we shall be back hopefully next week. Uh, and we will catch you on the next episode of Into the Unknown. Bye-bye. So, Yushuai, do you want to plug where people can find you? Yeah, so on Instagram, I am at yushuan.su.eventing. On Facebook, I am yushuan.su.eventing. And my website is suyushuaneventing.com. What about you, Connor? Mine is at Connor Lift Stuff on Instagram and at Stoic Strength Systems on Instagram. And we was also just set up a Patreon under the same name, Stoic Strength Systems. So give those a follow. I will put the links all down in the description if I figure out how to do it. Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure you like, share and subscribe to the podcast on wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we'll see you next time.